The Honey Badger returns, a new qualifying format and a record-breaking weekend. This week I'm talking about the Hungarian Grand Prix. So get ready, because you've been summoned to the steward's office. Hello everyone and welcome back to the steward's office. I'm Syra, and this week we are talking about everything that went on at the Hungarian Grand Prix. There were a lot of things going on before we even hit the weekend. We knew that Daniel Ricciardo was coming back in that Alpha Tari seat next to Yuki Tsunoda. We had some new upgrades coming in from RBR, the new qualifying format that all of the drivers were going to have to try and contend with. So let's get into it. In terms of upgrades, there were two teams upgrades that I was really looking at. And the first one was from RBR. And they were upgrades that Christian said were going to be their last big upgrade of the season. After this, it's just going to be a few small pieces here and there. But I think the focus is really going to shift to their 2024 car. There had been some changes to the shape of their side pods or the inlets in their side pods. I'd heard rumours on Twitter and some other places that it was going to bring them to tents. Obviously, Red Bull were not saying that, but... They were obviously hoping that it would bring an increase in performance, especially as the field was closing up a little bit behind them. Not massively, I don't think anyone's really in the same leagues as Red Bull right now, but they still want to keep extending that advantage. The other team that were bringing in some upgrades were Red Bull's sister team, AlphaTauri, and oh my goodness, do they need those upgrades right now. They have been struggling all season long. They bought some upgrades to Silverstone in the hopes that it would help pretty much everything and those were Yuki Tsunoda's words he said that there was pretty much everything on the car that needed to be improved so they brought some upgrades to the British Grand Prix and it just didn't look like it really made a dent it wasn't making a vast amount of difference if any so there were a couple of more upgrades that were coming to the Hungara ring and I think they were hoping that this would really give them a step forward in performance because they are lagging behind quite badly so that was what was happening upgrade-wise. We also had a slight change in how the weekend was going to run, and that was to do with the qualifying format. So the brand new qualifying format was initially meant to be trialled out in Imola, in Emilia Romana, but obviously that GP was cancelled due to flooding. So the first time it was going to be tried out was in Hungary. And here's what they had changed. Drivers and teams can usually pick what sort of tyres they want the car to be on when they go out in qualifying. 99.99% of the time you will see a car on soft tyres. It's the quickest tyre, you'll get the most lap time out of it. This weekend though, the drivers would all have to be on a set of hard tyres during Q1, medium tyres in Q2 and then soft tyres in Q3. They wouldn't have a choice, that was what the tyre allocation was going to be, it was defined to them by F1 and the FIA. So the reason they were trialling this new quality format was to try and help Pirelli bring down the number of tyres that they brought to a race weekend. So usually what happens is that every single driver on the grid will have 13 sets of dry weather tyres available to them from Friday through to Sunday. By trialling this new quality format, Instead of bringing out 13 sets per driver, they would get 11 sets each. That meant that Pirelli would save on bringing 40 sets of tyres, and that's 160 individual tyres that they would save on bringing to the Hungarian Grand Prix. And that is a pretty 
big reduction in the number of tyres. Obviously, this is going to help with costs when they're shipping and delivering that many tyres per GP weekend. But the main reason they did this was the environmental factor. F1 and Pirelli want to become more sustainable, want to be more eco-friendly, and cutting down on the number of tyres that are going out to a race weekend that they're then having to shred. Even though they do repurpose the tyres, it's going to help in the long run. So the next time we'll expect to see this format is in Monza in September after summer break. After that point, I think the drivers and the teams get a vote as to whether or not they want to keep this new format. If they vote yes, then the likelihood is in 2024 we will probably see this new quality format come into play, saving a mass amount of tyres throughout the race weekends over an entire calendar. And if they vote not in favour of it, then we probably will not be seeing this format used again. So that was the most significant change that we were seeing to this race weekend. Drivers were having mixed opinions of this qualifying format before we even got into the weekend though. We had a couple of them say they didn't think it would make a difference at all because no team would really have an advantage. Every team was going to be on hard tyres, then mediums and then softs. Some of them did think it was going to make a difference. I know Nico Hulkenberg was worried about the harsh on the hard tyres. He wasn't sure whether the cars would be able to progress from Q1 into Q2 simply because of the hard tyres, not so much because of the car pace. I personally did not think this qualifying was going to have us see the same results that we've seen in previous qualies, simply because we do have some cars that really struggle with tyre warm-up. We have some teams which can be quite harsh on the hard tyres very quickly, which is good, it brings a lot of heat into them. But then we have some teams who really struggle with tyre warm-up, can't get the heat into them, which means they're lacking a lot of grip, so they wouldn't be able to get the lap times in. So I was erring more on the side of, I think it might make a little bit of a difference to some of the teams. But let's get into the race weekend. Free practice one on Friday was a letdown. We didn't get a lot of runtime, let's be honest. It was just a bit of a mess. An absolute nightmare for Sergio Perez, who crashed into the first couple of minutes of FP1 at the start of his fast lap. Really not the way anyone wants to start a practice session, especially your first practice session of the weekend, and not something you would expect to see from a driver like Checo, who is in a top team, the top team right now, and has a lot of experience behind him. I don't really know what to make of Checo Perez's spin and crash, if I'm honest with you. It could have been absolutely as simple as just making a little mistake, right? All the drivers have them, and it was just unlucky it had to be right at the start of a free practice session. Or was it that the pressure was slowly starting to mount on him? Let's be honest, he's not had the best run of luck lately, especially during qualifying. Been a little while since he's been on a podium. And then we have the return of Daniel Ricciardo. He's in the AlphaTauri. He has made no secret of the fact that he doesn't necessarily want to stay in the AlphaTauri car in the long term. He's aiming to get into that Red Bull seat. I think there are a lot of people up and down the paddock. There are fans, Red Bull themselves, that would probably love to see Daniel next to Max in Red Bull. So even though Christian Horner's saying we haven't got any plans to replace Checo anytime soon, he's got a contract with us until 2024, well, they had no issue with cutting Nick DeVries' contract short when he wasn't performing up to standard. I don't think Helmut Marko would particularly care about cutting Paris' contract short if he thought there was a better driver to put in that car. So I don't know whether there's just a lot of stuff 
going on in the back of Paris's mind. Like I said, it might simply just be a mistake. Maybe people are reading too much into it. I'm not really sure where I fall. All I know is that it was super unlucky for him to have that mess up and that crash right at the beginning of FP1. And that crash did a fair bit of damage to the car. Side pod was impacted and the floor was damaged. So it was a little bit of work for the Red Bull mechanics to do to make sure that car was ready to go out for FP2 later in the day. To be honest, he didn't miss a whole load of running during that red flag when they were collecting his car. The rain started to absolutely pelt it down. A lot of the drivers didn't opt to go out. There's no point in risking damaging your car, causing your spares to be used up way earlier than you'd want to, more work for the mechanics. And in a cost cap era, the last thing you need to do is get loads of damage to your car. So not a whole load of running in FP1. FP2 and FP3 were just fairly uneventful. Checo did manage to flat spot a set of his tyres in FP2 after he locked up. Friday was just an unlucky day for him. It was not the sort of day any driver would want, and I'm sure he was happy just to go to the hotel and sleep it off. But FP2 and 3 were just a bit more chilled out, and it was really hard to get a reading on both quality and race pace because of the alternative tyre running that was going to happen in quality. I think teams were just on so many different run plans that as a fan and a spectator, it was hard to figure out how well some teams were doing against others. Merck seemed to have a really up and down sort of practice in FP2 and FP3, as did Ferrari. Red Bull seemed to have some grip problems on the soft tyres towards the end of FP3. McLaren, I think, were just consistently very good in FP2 and FP3, though, really proving that those upgrades are continuing to work for them. Grip level seemed good, quality pace seemed really good, so they were the easiest team to get a read on, I think, because they were just consistently quite strong. And even with Red Bull, I mean, you just know that they were going to be fine. But other than those two teams, the other eight, really hard to figure out where they were going to be come quality in the race. Then we actually got into the alternative tyre allocation quality. Brand spanking new. I was looking forward to it. I was hoping it would mix up the grid just a little bit. And the biggest surprise for me over quality was Alfa Romeo. So in Q1... Bottas had an absolutely phenomenal lap time on the hard tyres that took him to P1 on his very first flying lap. He was 700th ahead of Verstappen, so he wasn't able to keep up with Bottas on the hard tyres straight away at least. Track limits were a bit of an issue for some of the drivers in Q1. Magnussen, Alvin, Sargent and Piastri all had lap times deleted. End of Q1 was messy though. People had bolted on a new set of hard tyres. I think nearly everyone, pretty much everyone, had at least used two sets of hard tyres for this quali. Then we had a lot of drivers waiting until right at the end of Q1 to go out and get another fast lap in. And obviously that was going to cause a bit of a traffic jam. What we ended up with was Sergeant Magnuson, Russell, Sonoda and Albon all being eliminated. Now, Russell was definitely the biggest shock of that Q1 session. Lewis Hamilton, I think, managed to put in a time that took him to P8 in Q1, but George Russell was facing a lot of traffic on his final laps. 
I think his warm-up was a little bit compromised because of the amount of cars that were around him. And then when he went off on his fast lap, there just wasn't the space and room for him to be able to get the lap time that he needed. Merck did hold their hands up to that, though, and admitted they hadn't timed it right. They'd messed up with strategy there, and it was something that they were going to need to review. But he was going to be starting from P18 on the grid. It was disappointing, I guess, for Williams as well. They've had a really decent and strong race weekend for the past two races but Alex Albon and Logan Sargent had said coming into this weekend it's not going to be a strong track for them it's not suited to their car so they weren't expecting a whole load but it is still a little bit gutting that they weren't able to get out of Q1. Going into Q2 we did have a couple of more lap times deleted for track limits so Verstappen's first fast lap was deleted for track limits and so was Lance Stroll's. Max straight away pitted after that, went in, did not to do another fast lap on those mediums, and then went out on a brand new set of mediums. Now, I don't think this was particularly something Red Bull wanted to do. Max and that car definitely have the pace to have done one lap on the medium tyres and get it sorted, get it done. But he ended up having to do two laps on a new set of mediums. One more on a new set than they definitely wanted to do, but I think they needed a banker lap in just to make sure that he was safely through into Q3. Gasly, Stroll, Ricardo, Ocon and Sainz all got eliminated from Q2. Gasly did have a lap time deleted and it was both Alpines out, which was not great for them considering they had a double DNF in Silverstone. Not particularly surprised at Ricardo being knocked out. I don't think the Alpha Tauri had enough pace to get them into Q3. Signs and the Ferrari coming out in Q2, though, was not a good sign for Ferrari. I would have expected them to get into Q3 quite happily, even on the medium tyres. I didn't think they would struggle, but there were some issues there for them. Checo, though, congratulations to him for making Q3 for the first time in five races. I think I was a bit concerned after his nightmarish Friday that it might have gotten into his head a little bit and we wouldn't see him get into Q3 again. But he seemed a lot stronger in Q1 and Q2 than he's seen in a little bit. So the car was working for him a bit more this weekend. So then we got to Q3 and the drivers finally got to use their soft tyres. And we had three teams that had both cars into this qualifying session. Obviously we had RBR. McLaren was no surprise they were showing very very good pace and then the team I wasn't expecting to have two cars into Q3 was Alfa Romeo. Over the entire weekend though and including practice they seemed to be quite strong. I don't know what's going on there but it was just working for them. Hungary was working out for them. They were a team that weren't bringing any upgrades to Hungary Joan Yu had said, look, we just need to try and understand the upgrades that we bought to Silverstone because they hadn't exactly worked when we were in Silverstone. So we really need to try and get to grips with what they actually do. So whether they just got on top of the setup a little bit more with these new upgrades or whether the Hungary characteristics really suited their car, I don't know what it was, but it was working out for them so, so well. Verstappen took provisional pole on his first flying lap, followed by Lewis Hamilton and then Lando Norris. Perez's first fast lap only got him to a place that was good enough for 
fifth. So still lacking on the pace, not just to his teammate, but to people like the McLarens and one of the Mercedes. Zhou Guan Yu then had a time deleted for track limits. He didn't have to worry though. Zhou Guan Yu managed to set a time to take him to P5 on the starting grid. That is his highest position in qualifying to start a race in and you could tell how much it meant to him and to Alfa Romeo because they also had Valtteri Bottas starting in P7. They had an absolutely phenomenal qualifying session. It was so, so good for them. And I think it was a real confidence boost to a team that needed it. But pole position ended up going to Lewis Hamilton. Now that was something I definitely wasn't expecting and he got pulled by three thousandths of a second. That is how much was in it with Max Verstappen starting alongside him. I wasn't going into this weekend thinking that a Mercedes was going to be on pole position. I thought it was either going to be Max or one of the McLarens at a push if Ferrari finds something in their car, maybe one of the Ferraris. But I think it's been fairly clear over this season and last season the Mercedes really struggles during qualifying on one lap pace race pace is a lot better for them but quality not so much Lewis though just said the car felt a lot more alive to him he had a bit more confidence to throw it into the corners where he needed to to get that lap time back up on Max and Lando and stuck it on pole it was his first pole position in 33 races over 500 days since he last took pole when he was in Saudi Arabia in 2021. And in doing that, he has now broken the record for the most amount of poles at a single circuit. So he has nine pole positions in Hungary, breaking the record that he, Schumacher and Senna all held of eight pole positions at a single circuit. He is now the sole holder of that record and also added another pole to his record-breaking pole tally. He now has 104 pole positions in F1. You could tell how much it meant to him and the entire team, though, to get that pole position. Definitely a morale boost for them and hopefully a sign of good things to come. Then we got to the race, though, and it did fall apart for Mercedes here, to be frankly honest. Lewis had an okay start, not one of his best, I don't think. Max managed to get him into turn one, so did Piastri, so did Norris. It was not the best start for him. He ended up dropping three places within a corner, basically. We also had Shogun Yu falling from P5 down to P16. He had a really bad start. I don't know whether he stalled or what happened there. And it just ended up being a little bit of a mess. Now, after Zhou Guan Yu's bad start, I think he ended up hitting one of the Alpha Towers. Might have been Ricardo, which then bumped in to Gasly, who then went into Ocon. Now, that might be a little bit wrong. I don't know whether Zhou actually hit Ricardo, whether it was Ricardo taking avoiding action or whether it was Gasly reacting to Shogun Yu. There was a lot going on, basically. But a lot of places lost for Shogun Yu, who also had a five-second time penalty for causing all of that incident. Ricardo ended up down at the bottom of the grid as well, from starting in 13th. The biggest losers in all of this, though, were Alpine. So Esteban Ocon's car was the one, I think, that went up in the air. And from what we heard from Alpine and Crofty, that impact had caused his seat to split into two and they ended up having to retire both of their cars. That is another double DNF 
after what happened in Silverstone, where they both DNF there as well. Two pointless race weekends for them. They're falling down and behind in the Constructors' Championship. They're already in P6, but that gap between them and McLaren is getting bigger and bigger. Just an absolute nightmare for both of their drivers. I'm very glad to know that they're both okay. Thankfully, no injuries, no damage to them. But I think the team and the drivers are going to be very disappointed that they didn't even get two laps into the race before they had to DNF and retire both cars. I can't lie though, guys, this was a fairly boring race for me. I think we went from what was a really exciting quality and it made me quite excited for the race. I thought we were going to have battles up and down the field. I thought the racing would be a little bit closer than what we've seen it. Strategy would be great and really change the way that the race was running. But what we ended up getting was cars up and down the grid struggling to get within DRS zone of the other cars. I do think part of that was down to how warm it was in Hungary. I think a lot of the drivers might have been told to back off of the cars in front to help with engine cooling and brake cooling, but it didn't make for good racing. I don't think there was anything that was super, super interesting happening couple of early pit stops from some of the cars. We did have Charles Leclerc having an extremely slow pit stop. It was a 9.4 second stationary stop for him. He then ended up getting a 5 second time penalty for speeding in the pit lane. So an awful, awful day for Charles Leclerc as well. George Russell had a pretty good day actually, making his way up from P18 to P6. Logan Sargent, I think, had to retire by the end of the race. There wasn't really a lot to mention about what happened during this race. It was just a little bit boring at times, I guess. Like I said, I think because the cars were so far apart from each other, and I say so far apart, about a second, two seconds away, but without the DRS aid as well, obviously, we weren't getting, you know, crazy overtakes happening, not as many on-track battles as I would have liked to have seen. So it felt like a bit of a lacklustre race in that respect. Max did take the win of the race and that made it Red Bull's 12th consecutive win. They have now broken the record for the most amount of consecutive wins. They tied with McLaren on 11 last race. So they were chasing this win to make it their own record and they have done it. So there were two records broken this weekend, one by Lewis Hamilton, the other one by Red Bull Racing. And all props to Red Bull for building a car that has obviously dominated the field, gotten a grip on these new regulations and just blown away. And a huge well done to both of their drivers who've contributed to that 12 race streak. It is a massive achievement to win 12 races in a row. And I think that dates back to Abu Dhabi last year. So a massive, massive congratulations to the team there. And I think what was really nice for them as well is that Checo Perez did manage to take P3 in this race. So he was on the podium and able to celebrate with Max and a member of their personnel to really, really enjoy breaking this record. It wasn't a completely flawless weekend for Red Bull. Obviously, they would have loved to have gotten pole and Max was struggling with his car balance the entire way through quality was very vocal post-quality about the fact that he just wasn't happy with the car. It really wasn't working out the way he wanted it to. It didn't feel quite right. So it wasn't the most flawless weekend for them. But, I mean, in the long run, 
do they care? They've got the win. They've got the record. Max continues to extend his lead in the Drivers' Championship. Red Bull continue to extend their lead in the Constructors. I think they're all going to go home pretty happy. (laughs) McLaren once again showing that they have a very, very good race car. These upgrades have completely transformed the outlook of McLaren's season. They've been to three tracks now with these upgrades three very different tracks and it is working on all of them and that bodes very well for the rest of the season. I would assume that McLaren don't have another big, big upgrade coming. I feel like this was the big upgrade, everything they've got on their car now. Everything else, I think, like a lot of the teams will be just small modifications here and there, but it looks good for them. It looks really, really good. And it's going to be a lot of learning that they'll be able to now take into 2024 and next year's car. But a really good running from both Lando Norris and Oscar Piastri. Lando, who's gotten his second consecutive podium this season. Oscar Piastri, who finished in P5, drove a very, very good race. But I think he was just struggling towards the end of the race, which allowed Lewis Hamilton to overtake him. Mercedes, not having the best race day it was an up and down day for them in quali obviously with george russell being in p18 and then lewis hamilton in p1 was not the best race start for lewis however i don't think that was going to make a huge amount of difference even if he'd managed to keep the lead for a lap or two the race pace was not there for them the car did seem a little bit more alive in the last five or ten laps of the race but it is a 70-lap race that they were having to get through. So they're still not quite there yet. A really, really good drive from George Russell, though. He did admittedly benefit from that first lap incident. He managed to make up a lot of spaces because of the double DNF from the Alpines and everything that went on with Joe and Ricardo. But in general, to get from P18 to P6 at the Hungara Ring on a track where it is hard to overtake, He did a pretty good job. I'm sure he's going to be very happy with the results he's come away with. And it's a good haul of points for Mercedes for the Constructors' Championship. They continue to pull away from Aston Martin. Lewis Hamilton is closing that gap with Fernando Alonso for P3 in the Drivers' Championship. I think there's only six points between them now. So not that much splitting those two drivers. will be very, very interesting to see what happens for the rest of the season between the two of them. On the topic of Aston Martin, I don't know where they've been, what they're doing, if they're okay. It has been a tough couple of races for the Silverstone-based team. And it's crazy to think, right? Three races ago, we were talking so much about Aston Martin, about win number 33 for Fernando Alonso, about him potentially taking P2 in the championship, Aston Martin taking P2 in the constructors, how they were really challenging Mercedes and Ferrari. And then the last three races, I don't think I've heard anyone really talk about them because they just haven't been there competing for podium positions, for pole positions. Fernando is not being a menace to Max Verstappen like he has been at the beginning of the season. The performance drop-off for them was very quick and very, very drastic. Fernando had said that Hungary was a track that had a lot of characteristics that were similar to tracks that they had done well on throughout the beginning of the season. So I think I was expecting a little bit more pace from them and I think the team were expecting a little bit more pace. 
It wasn't happening, though, and Alonso has said that he thinks the new compound of Pirelli tyres might be to blame. The new compound is a little bit sturdier because there's a lot more load on them now. They've introduced them during Silverstone. So Fernando thinks that that's where the issue is coming from because he thinks it's also hampering Red Bull. But Red Bull, I don't think, have given up that much of an advantage. They're still really leaps ahead of everyone else. I know quality was a little bit more of a struggle for them on Max's side this weekend, but on a whole, I think that was more of a balance issue than a tyre issue. Silverstone, Aston Martin bought a couple of upgrades to their car that were meant to really target the issues that they were having in Austria in that previous race where they didn't do well, and they still weren't making inroads, and now they're still not making inroads. So I just wonder whether this development direction they've taken their upgrades in are really working for them or not. I think Bernie Collins had mentioned at the beginning of the season that when you are a midfield team or back market team, it can be easier to gain half a second, six, seven tenths of a second when you're developing your car. Not saying that it's super, super quick and easy to do, but it is easier than the top teams when you're trying to gain a tenth or two tenths, or just those smaller margins, it's a lot easier to make a big leap than it is to make a small one. And I think what we saw with Aston and what we're seeing with McLaren now is that they made that big leap to get to the front of the field. And that was easier for them to do. But Aston now, I think, might be struggling to find where to get that tenth of a second that'll bring them a little bit closer to Red Bull, that'll help put them on pole position. So I don't know whether that is what they're struggling with more than just that harder Fuma compound of tyre that Pirelli has now introduced. Alpine, as I mentioned, just having a miserable, miserable day. It's just been an absolute nightmare for them. What do you say? A double DNF. They didn't manage to get into Q3. DNF'd in Silverstone as well. Two weekends in a row and absolutely no points. It's not looking good for them right now. Ferrari just... I don't know what's going on with the pit stops. There were some very interesting radio messages between Charles Leclerc and his race engineer Xavi. I think communication between the two of them in terms of strategy and what they want to do during the race still isn't that great. Alfa Romeo also had a bit of a nightmare on race day. They went from both drivers starting within the top 10 to both drivers finishing in P12 for Bottas and then P16, I think it was, for Joe. Really, really disappointing. You do wonder what would have happened had Joe not struggled at the start of the race, whether they would have been able to stick around at the front. They were showing really good race pace on those hard tyres, so I think it's a big what could have been for Alfa Romeo this race weekend. Daniel Ricciardo and Yuki Snowder in the Alfa Tauris, both of them still out of the points. Collectively as a team, this wasn't a great race weekend because they didn't come away with points, but I think for Daniel, he's very happy coming out of Hungary now. Had very, very good tyre deck. His race engineer seemed quite happy with the pace that he was keeping on what was going on. So on that side, I don't think it was an awful weekend. Williams, I mean, you had Logan Sargent who didn't finish the race and then Alex Albon finishing in P11. So on Albon's side, it could have been a lot worse. He was only one place away from the points and this was on a track where both of the drivers said that the car would not be suited to the characteristics. So I think there was some good learnings at least they could have taken out of this. 
Haas, no points again. 14th for Nico Hulkenberg, coming from P10. And then 17th for Kevin Magnussen. He was in last place of the last runners, because there were only 17 cars running by the end of the Grand Prix. It was just a bit of an average race for me, guys. You all voted for Checo Perez as your driver of the day, made his way from P9 to P10. Three, first Q3 appearance in a while, first podium in a while. But I don't think I actually have a driver of the day for this weekend. I know that sounds awful, but I don't know. I think everyone had a good race. Everyone had a decent race. But I don't think there was anyone that really, really stood out for me. No one that really made me go, wow, you did a phenomenal job in this race. I think everyone just did all right. Even with George Russell making his way from P18 to P6, like I mentioned, some of those spaces were because he was able to benefit from that first lap incident, which I 100% get. You've got to be there and be alert and ready to take advantage of those places. But I think for that reason, I can't fully justify giving him driver of the day either. The Hungarian Grand Prix of 2023 in general is fairly forgettable. I think other than the fact that we had Red Bull break the record for the number of consecutive wins and then Lewis Hamilton break the record for most pole positions at a circuit the actual racing itself was very forgettable and yeah I did have a lot of high hopes coming into this race especially after the quality we had I thought it was going to be super super interesting but it didn't materialize into much so I am walking away from this weekend a little bit underwhelmed I guess a little bit unsatisfied by the racing in Hungary. But it is what it is. And we do have another race next weekend. So hopefully we get a little bit more action there. F1 is heading out to Spa in Belgium for the last race before summer break. Spa is going to be a sprint weekend as well. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens there. More points up for grabs. Definitely think we're going to be seeing McLaren in P2, P3 behind the Red Bulls. And then it's just going to be interesting to see after that where Mercedes, Aston Martin and Ferrari manage to order themselves. I will be back next week with a full debrief on the Belgian Grand Prix. Like I said, I do hope we get some more interesting racing during the race and the sprint. Hopefully we'll see a lot more action on track and just some more exciting overtakes. And hopefully I will have someone to give driver of the day to next week as well. Thank you guys so much for listening and welcome back. Make sure you follow me on Instagram, TikTok and threads at stewards underscore office. I post a load of F1 content over there as well. And I will see you guys the next time you're summoned to the stewards office. Bye.